Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email me, askpete, that's A-S-K, Pete, at petetheplanner.com. I'll read your question on the air. I'll answer it, and no one's going to try to sell anybody anything, except during the commercials. Okay, so uh, joining me, uh, as often, is a good friend, Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line, powered by Pete the Planner. Hello, sir. Hey, Pete. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. We've got some good questions today. Let's get after it. This first one's such a long question. I, I, cannot, uh, I cannot waste time with housekeeping. We'll get to it. Hi, Pete. Oh, subject line on this one is, should we accept gift money towards a down payment even if we're not ready to buy? That's a great question. Hi, Pete. I was hoping you had an insight to a situation that is probably semi-common for young couples slash families, or if you could direct me to a past episode where you've discussed the issue. Thank you very, very much. Either way. My mother recently got a living inheritance of $70,000. Dame? Living inheritance. You know, I'm going to admit, when I read this, I, I know what that means, but I had never heard that term. Have you? I think this was a first for me as well. It makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, why wait until I'm dead to get my money? Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some estate planning reasons that, that may, they may be doing that, or just the, I want to see my kids enjoy the, the funds that I'm going to give them, so... And this Go. is not the point of this particular email, but back when I was a financial advisor, I, I saw people try to do this or try to avoid this and, and to try to facilitate this process. And I have to say, anecdotally, a lot of times people wanted to do it when it wasn't appropriate because they didn't have their own retirement in the bag yet. Yeah. Yeah. I always think if you have a lot more money than your family, sometimes you make that decision on a relative basis, no pun intended. Mm. And so therefore, you sometimes make mistakes because the other party is in such a subordinate position to you. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a big reason for that. All right, so my mother recently, oh, back to the email. My mother recently got a living inheritance of $70,000 and have offered to give it to my husband and me as a down payment. Problem is, we only moved to the U.S. five years ago, so we are still in the process of building ourselves up financially, and we're not planning to buy for at least five more years. Let me just, uh, another timeout here. How many timeouts do I get? Three, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Okay. A little T.O. Um, anytime you feel like your home buying timeline is being pressured, I get so nervous. Yeah, that's not a good place to be and. A lot of times it's a, an artificial pressure that we kind of make on ourselves. Yes, or we, we look for, not that you shouldn't look for opportunities, but sometimes we read the tea leaves wrong and say, well, well, this is destiny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to a school with a girl named Destiny. Okay. Our stats, uh, back to the email, our stats, we'll try to keep it short, they say. Uh, uh, this lady who's emailing me is 34, stay-at-home mom, will return to work in 1.5 years. Her husband, a car salesman, is 49 years old. It sounds like a later model. <laughs> Cars. Yeah. Two kids, 12 years and four years. Well, you got built-in babysitting. Genius. Do you think they did that on purpose? Doubt it. Living in the Bay Area. You know, as we've said on the show, when you say you live in the Bay Area, that means you live in Oakland. 
because if you lived in San Francisco, you'd say, I live in San Francisco. Hmm. I don't think I've ever... You've ever heard me say that? No. That's true. Really? Yeah, it's a thing. Huh. I mean, anyway, income about $90,000 a year, and it's commission-based because he's a car salesman. 401k for the husband is $20,000. Cash savings is $10,000. Investment account, $15,000. We're very careful with money and don't want to risk buying a house we cannot afford, especially in the Bay Area, Oakland. But saving up with uh, will take us a good few years to do that. And we're just not sure this money will be available for us in the future. My mother was very clear that it will only go toward a house for us or as a rental investment for herself. I will be happy to provide more details if necessary. If you feel this question will have value to others. It does, my friend. And uh, oh, thank you again for your time and your awesome podcast as well. You are welcome. You're welcome. Man, there's a lot here, brother. Yeah. Where, where to begin? I, you know what? I've noticed in the last few episodes, I say where to begin. You start and then and then I like mansplain why we shouldn't begin there. Have you noticed that? Have you listened it, back? Yeah, it, I, I listen occasionally just to make sure that we're, we're not going off the rails entirely too much. You mean like right now? Yes, exactly right now. All right, so you, you start and then I'll, I'll tell you where you're wrong. Go ahead. So I think it's interesting the, uh, the little line in there about that it only goes towards a new house for them or for a rental investment for uh, her mom. And I, I think maybe this money might have some ties to it to where they, they can't get it unless they do something with it soon, even though their own personal timeline is five years down the road. Yeah, there, there's something, uh, anytime that we find something peculiar, especially when people tell us about their financial situations, and, and, and as you're listening now, please understand what we're, we're not saying is that something is nefarious. Yes. We're just saying it's unusual. That doesn't make it bad. It just makes it, and, and that's why people email us specific situations, right? Um, I There's something weird about that. I view it as there's some uncertainty with that should this money really be a living inheritance given right now? And uh, I, I would say arbitrary guidelines around it. So I, I just think it's, it's people like, yeah, here's 70,000 if you want it right now. And it makes sense for us, the, the person giving it. But I, I definitely uh, think that plays into this because it, it feels like it's pushing their timeline of a timeline that, based on their facts, should not be pushed. So let's let's just uh, say that that's not the case, and there's no immediate need to use this money until they're ready to use it. Should they accept the money? I'm looking at you. I, I'm thinking about myself. Um, <laughs> now, should they accept the money? Well, yeah, but but. I don't know. It's a sort of a weird question for me. What do you explain what you think? Because you ask because you have a reason to ask that. Sure. So if there's no um, rules, sure for for them to use it, you know, within the next year or something like that, before they're ready to use it for the house that they want to buy, sure, go for it. Yeah. I, I I don't see why not. There there's no um, tax consequence to them for accepting the money. Uh, it's it's fine. Just go stash it away in some high yield savings account somewhere because it's that time frame that they're on. The five years is too short, in my opinion, to invest it. Get a little bit of growth off of it, and once it's there, use it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with that, and I'm I'm sort of reading more into this email here now. 
and I think I have a theory here. Because I skipped a line accidentally in reading this. And when I said they were living in the Bay Area, Bay Area, it goes on to say most of our families back in the Middle East, we have few relatives here in California. I think some of this has to do with maybe the money is coming internationally. Mm. Right? And, and, and who knows what's going on there? Again, nothing bad. It's just like who knows yeah. what the rules are. Um, I think something we need to isolate here in the minute we have left. By the way, this might be a two-segment question. Could be. Two-segment question. Um, they're not in a position to buy a home right now. No. Absolutely not. They didn't talk about any of their debts, which uh, either means they have none or they didn't talk about them. But I don't think they should buy a home, especially with a, a husband and commission income. Um, yeah, you know, let's do this. Let's, let's take a breath. We're going to come back. We're going to dig deeper into this question. It's a really, seems like a simple question, but it's, it's really complex because there's a lot of different angles to it. Uh, if you just joined us, uh, it's Pete the Planner Show, uh, a lady from the Bay Area, Oakland, uh, emailed us and wants to know, should she buy a house with a living inheritance that she just received? Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line, powered by Pete the Planner, joins me in studio as oft he does these days. And so when we come back, Damian, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with um, why... In 2019, this lady is not in a position to buy a house and what needs to change for that to happen. All that and more here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. the Pete the Planner show. We're, we're mid-question, Damien. That rarely happens. Really? I don't know if it happens all the time. <laughs> I think we stretch into two segments Damien Dunn joins me in studio. Uh, I'm Peter Dunn. I'm Damien Dunn. Well, no, oh, no, no relation. relation. No, yeah, there I, really I thought no we were just introducing ourselves again. I, I always say no relation, and, and I know at times it's like I'm disclaiming that we would actually be connected, although I'd love to be related to you. Thank you. But I think the weirder thing is that we're not related. I, do you think people buy it? I don't. Um, I was talking to one of my best friends this week, and he found a blog post that you wrote on the website. He's like, "Who's this?" And I was like, "Well, it's Damien." He's like, "Is it your cousin or your brother?" I'm like, "No, no, no, no relation." And he's like, "He knows me as much as, as well as anybody." And he's like, "Is this your brother?" I'm like, "My brother, you know my family." Okay, uh, if you just joined us, it's gotten weird. A, a lady from the Bay Area um, just has been offered. Is that even the right verb? Has been offered a seventy thousand dollar living inheritance that her mother actually received, but her mother is willing to let her, uh, the daughter, the emailer, and her husband uh, buy a home with the money. But if they don't buy the home, the mom is not giving them the money. Did I explain that kind of well? The way I read it, yes. Okay. The mom is 34. Uh, the person that emailed us is 34. Her husband is 49, is in commission car sales. Um, he makes $90,000 a year. Let's Let's go there, Dame. $90,000 a year in the Bay Area. I mean, that's that's middle class, I would think, right? And and I and I I do that to say it's not exceptional. Right. It's solid. Yeah. It's it's solid. It's it's a positive thing, but it's not so solid that a person can afford big mistakes. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you know, in the Midwest, you're you're doing all right. And when you start to move to a coast, Bay Area specifically, um, 
it's it's nothing to um, have a use for every single penny of that 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 money. Yeah, I bet things are tight um, there. And it, it, she says that they're they're very ca- careful with their money. I, a, that's great. B, they may not have much of a choice in yeah, the Bay Area. I was thinking the same thing. They have to be. Yeah. Um, I would also say that at age 49, her husband has a $20,000 401k. A lot of times what you and I try to do when we look at people's financial lives is we like to look at three things. We like to look at their short-term stability, mm-hmm. their mid-term stability, and their long-term stability. So from that perspective, Dame, long-term stability on $20,000 in a 401k at age 49. No, I, I'd like to see that number higher. I, and that's the one thing that stands out to me about this this whole process is what what does purchasing a house, how does that affect adding to uh, long-term retirement type funds? That's a brilliant point that I want to hit on so much but not right now. I want to come back to it because I have so much to say about that, but I'm going to skip the other part I want to say. Midterm stability. What do you think? They got 10 grand in cash savings and another 15 grand in an investment account. They've got a 12 and a four-year-old. What sort of midterm stability do you think they have? Just for emergency type fund stuff? Is that, is that what um, we're sort going of a for mid-term. here? Midterm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. I, I mean, I, She's going. Here's the thing. She's going back to work in a year and a half. Yeah. And so ah, th- th- things could change dramatically. That's we don't know what point. she does. We don't know what her her education's in. We don't know what kind of job she's going to be pulling down. Thank so, God for you. I'd forgotten about if, that fact. If she's going to go out and make another ninety grand, well, gosh, this this changes a little bit. Okay, brilliant. You're right. Short term stability as it exists in the next eighteen months. Where are you at? Short-term stability in the next 18 months, um, all things being equal, I think they're okay. Yeah, you know, at first I thought it wasn't great, but, you know, they've got essentially $25,000 of emergency funds, 10 grand in cash, 15 cash savings, I should say, and 15 in another, what we would assume is a non-qualified investment account. So second-tier savings. I think the bigger issue is anytime you're in commission sales, not only do you need an emergency fund, but you need what we call a commissioner pool, which is a way for a commission or variable income person to smooth out their income as the natural seasonality uh, uh, happens within your business. Even if you're a good car sales person, which I know several and have helped several over the years, there you still have to smooth out your income so you can run your financial life. I'd be interested to see if there's as much of a difference in seasonality for car sales in the on the coast, like in the Bay Area, as there is in the mid Midwest. I don't ever question your value to the show, but sometimes <laughs> when you say things, it's just like God, I didn't even think about that either. I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong. I'm I'm sure there are little things that they experience out there that that we don't, or or people in in car sales in the Midwest don't, but. So, um, I, I, you know, weather, I think, you know, and, uh, especially with the, the brand of cars that you're selling, uh, can play a huge effect in, in when you sell those vehicles. So it'd be interesting to see if there's a difference. there. So let's get to the giant question that you asked. That is really the heart of the matter. How does buying a house help anything at this point? Yeah, it doesn't. I, I think buying a house unless her income, she's 95, 90% sure in 18 months that her income will be there. There will not be a reemployment delay and that her income is substantial. Unless that's the case, buying a home right now makes no sense to me. No, I agree. 
I mean, sure, they'll get to $70,000 for a down payment, but unfortunately, what most people do in that circumstance, and um, emailer, if you uh, choose to do this, don't do what I'm about to say. Don't uh, buy more home with that. You know, uh, you know, don't use what would be, um, you know, $70,000 to put a small down payment on a big home, put a big down payment on a small home. Yeah, that's a really great point is that that $70,000 that 70, could be used for good or evil in this case. And you could very quickly find yourself in a worse position if you do that wrong. Isn't that funny? You can leverage this money to buy more home or you can leverage this money to improve your financial life in both are done through a home purchase. Yeah. Or, or here's something that could really be tempting for them to maybe move into a different school district where houses cost more, mm -hmm. same size home roughly, but you're still paying more for that house. So, um, still it, it's, uh, you're paying more, you're, you're, you're spending more for a, a house that you may not be able to afford. Okay. So let's do this. Let's make sure that we're actually helping this person. What needs to happen? What, what do the numbers need to look like for these people to be ready to buy a home? Hmm. Um, it's really tough to say right at this point because we don't know what her income is going to look like in a year and a half. So we can go with the general guidelines that, that we usually say at 25%. Oh, well, they're in the Bay Area, so that's, that's going to throw another wrinkle into it. It'll be closer to 35% yeah, of, your, of your take home pay. Yeah. So, you know, your husband's making 90000 ish Let's uh, say she makes sixty, and I say that because 150000 household income is sort of this, it, it's, a, it's a benchmark in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, let's say they make 150 to 170 right? Um, then their take-home pay is going to be roughly $7,000 a month. Probably somewhere in there. And so if they do 30%, I mean... That's still only like a $2,200. $2,122, somewhere in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, see, and that doesn't seem like a, a big amount to be able to spend on a home in the Bay Area. Yeah. And that's coming up with your down payment, too, which, based on the numbers they have with cash savings and investment, they've got some work to do there, too, which is why that 70000 looks so inviting. Yeah, let's not gloss over that. What, what, what we've just advised this person is to not take $70,000 because in order to take the 70, they would have to do something that would create instability in the short, mid, and long term. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It, the 70,000 doesn't bring stability. Buying a home doesn't create stability. That's, the, that's this giant myth. You buy a home, oh, now we have stability. No, you don't. And in this case, I think it would make everything unstable. Yeah, I, I think there's a really good chance of that. If uh, emailer, if you're listening to this, email me back. If if we were got anything wrong, I hope you I hope this is helpful. Uh, give us more information if you need. If you want to email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Coming up after the break, we have more email, and we're gonna read them and answer them. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. Pete the Planner Show. Damian Dunn joins me. Hello. Hey, Pete. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com is how you get your email question to me. We were reading a criticism email uh, during the break. Look, 
Sometimes people disagree. I try not to focus on the negativity, although I did focus on negativity on Twitter too much this week. Yeah. I really did. But I wasn't being negative, but I was catching some negative heat, and I just should have just ignored it. It's, isn't that what Twitter is? Yeah, that's why I deleted the app off my phone. Did you? <laughs> I did. I didn't delete my account. I just I want to stop looking at it when I'm having personal time, so I deleted it off my phone. Nice job. Oh, thanks. It's hard to do because I'm an idiot. <laughs> But I do want to. I do want to read the first line of this criticism email. We have a web forum at petetheplanner.com that you can you can get to us that way, or you can just send us an email. We don't care either way. But the the on the web forum, we ask for people's phone number in case they want us to call them. We don't randomly call people. And the, the message says, Peter, first I want to tell you the phone number I supplied is fake. I do this intentionally to avoid unwanted calls. And then he yelled at me. Who cares? Okay, Dame. This is a real question from a guy named Daniel. Can we call him Danny? Do you think? Go for it. Do you know anybody that's got a name like a Daniel or Nathaniel and that if you try to call them like Nate or Danny or Dan, they freak out because they're like, no, it's Daniel. David and Dave. Yeah, that's a thing. I, I think most of the times uh, they just kind of roll with it either way, but I think they've got a preferred that they would much rather have. Yeah, uh, or and, like Dick. Yeah. Yeah. In listening to your Paycheck to Paycheck webinar, which is a webinar we have for some of our corporate clients, I mentioned, uh, wait, I should read this in in first person like how he wrote it. (laughs) Good afternoon. In listening to your Paycheck to Paycheck webinar, you mentioned the deception of the credit scoring system. I'm currently struggling to pay off debt and have made bad choices in the past that have put me in this position. I have been hesitant to plunge into a debt repayment because I'm keeping afloat living in a not quite 30 days past due lifestyle since we had a kid. It's worse than the paycheck to paycheck. Is there any benefit to just taking a 30 day hit, which would lower my credit score and able to pay, uh, pay off some of the smaller debt in one go round? Uh, Danny. Yeah, this is interesting. We chose this question because, well, first of all, we didn't talk about it off the air at all. And so I'm curious on how do you, how do you chunk down this? I mean, I, I know here at what we, our organization, what we do is, is we try to become the best we can be at truly answering financial questions and giving people direction, real problem solving, right? Yeah. And so looking at this, where do you, where do you go? I, first, I, I, I listen to that. I read that. And I think, Man, I, I can't imagine how close this person is to just saying, man, I don't know what else to do. And just throwing in a towel. Capitulation. Yep. I, mean, I totally agree. He is on the edge. Yeah. And they're they're reaching out to us for, or and maybe who knows who else, just for some idea of, of where to go. And so I, I'm try, I, I can empathize with this person of, of that feeling of um, despair may be a little strong, but you're, you're right there. You, you don't know what to do and you're, you're seeking any kind of strategy. Uh, I, that's a hard feeling when, um, especially when you're a new parent, Mm -hmm. you know, I can really understand how this person feels and, um, it's hard. You, you feel, you feel like you're not being a good parent because you can't figure this out. There's all that emotion that comes with that. And so frankly, the courage to write this email is the first positive step uh, that hopefully will lead to a resolution for them. And, you know, in a normal circumstance, without details, I always think increased income, a burst, 
-hmm. of increased income is a great way to gain traction and momentum. And I don't say that flippantly, Dame. I don't say, go get a second job, Dan. (laughs) No, I, I, I say, if practical, more income into the household over a three to six month period could be what you need to to write the ship too often when people need a boost they choose to go into debt as opposed to seek more income Um, but but that may not be the solution here what what do you think about this idea that being late on on some debts could solve the problem i'm not sure about that yeah i'm not either because i think there's going to have to be some uh, additional changes made to make that strategy even feasible in the long term. I, I understand what they're saying, you know, just let's focus on uh, some of the smaller debts, ignore some of the bigger ones in order to gain some margin with, with what they've got. Um, however, I think there might be a, a couple other issues that, that need to be addressed to go along with that. So um, could it work? Maybe, but there are only a couple different ways to ultimately solve this issue. You've already tapped on one of them. Make make some more income. Not a long-term solution, no, but it can be a very effective short-term solution. Every penny you make goes towards paying those debts off. You know, uh, I, I don't you generally share personal things about my financial life on this show. Um, Mrs. Planner and I were having a financial discussion this week <clears throat> about our lives. And, you know, we determined that a particular area of our life would benefit from more income. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that's very important to us. And so I've chosen to um, essentially work more for an, an additional entity, to, to do more writing for a particular entity to increase our income. Uh, it's something that I don't necessarily want to do. It's something that I don't necessarily believe I have the time to do. Um, but if I do this for the six months that I, I, I'm planning on doing it, I know that it will accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And I, and the, the, the side benefit is I get the, I get to feel the feeling of I did what it took. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you're, when you're feeling the way Daniel is feeling, when you personally are the solution to the problem, right? When you are personally the solution, because he's just assigned himself the blame as the problem, mm-hmm. then, then the sky's the limit, you know? Yeah. That empowering nature of being able to say, yeah, I figured this out. Now, I also have to say, to get a second gig or to get additional income, without having an exact dollar amount mm-hmm. is a completely pointless thing to do. Yeah. We have no idea how much the, the debts are that he's talking about. We have no idea how he obtained those debts. I mean, were they decisions that he made? Was it health-related? We, we don't know. Um, are there things inside of his budget that, that could be easily changed for a period of time to help him out on the other side of the equation? Right. So a couple things there, and let's start with the second one you just said. Uh, let's say we've determined that $300 more a month solves his problem or, or gets him closer to mm-hmm. a resolution eventually. There's two ways to get that $300 a month. Mm-hmm. There's the first way, we said, which was to get more income. And then there's the second way, which is what you just said, which is how can I eliminate $75 a week? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, I don't know Dan or what he does, but you know, 
he wouldn't be alone if he blew money on dining out and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And and you and I are not stop going to Starbucks people. No. Like that's not who we are. And as an organization, that's not the advice we typically give people. Um, but on some level, sacrifice can come in the form of abstention. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, there are um, decisions that need to be made when you are facing a problem like this. They, they may be uncomfortable, but they need to be considered. They need to be acted upon. I don't think the solution could possibly come in the form of uh, strategic default, right? St- strategic late payment. I don't think that... I get it, and I, I, Dan, I sincerely appreciate your brain going into overdrive yeah. to come up with a solution, but brother, that's not it. No. And I, I, I don't even care about the credit score. That's just not it. It's not going to no, do anything. I, I, that wouldn't be a recommendation that, that I would ever um, make on your money line, and I, I don't think I'd probably even give it privately to, to one of my friends or family if they, they were to ask me to it. I'd try and encourage them to do one of the things that we've mentioned and help them figure out how to make that work. Was that just a way for you to tell everyone that you have friends? Friends, not many. Okay. Well, I, I felt like you were, where you were really going there, like, I have loved ones. No, loved might be strong. All right, Dan, here's what we're going to do. Um, you need to come up with the exact dollar amount that solves your problem on a monthly basis, and you're either going to have to add that, or you're going to have to subtract that from your spending We'll try to get with you off the air, though, okay? So coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and some uh, financial current events. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, well, Damien, I have two. Let's hear them. All right. Do you want the expensive dumb one or the ridiculously expensive dumb one? Ridiculously expensive dumb. All right. We'll do that one first. This is going to hurt to do. The 1916 Babe Ruth rookie card, long overshadowed by the legendary T206 Honus Wagner in 1952, Tops Mickey Mantle rookie cards, Babe Ruth's 1960 M1014 Sporting News rookie card is finally receiving the attention it deserves. This particular one is a fine example rated a good, very good 2.5 by Beckett Grading Services. Recently discovered inside an antique piano <laughs> as it was moved, it, was, uh, it has a blank back, shows the Bambino as a lefty pitcher for the Red Sox, and is ready for display at the crown jewel of any memorabilia collection. Bid now, starting at $100,000. Now, Dame, I used to collect football cards. Hmm. Did you collect cards? Baseball. Yeah, I was a football card guy. I had a Walter Payton rookie card was my crown jewel. Nice. And as a kid, I, I would spend my lawn mowing money and my caddy money, all these sorts of things on those things. And I still have those things, but Dame, not only do they mean nothing to me, they're worth nothing. I mean, they are, but like, not, not really. Yeah. I remember I used to get the Beckett guide. Absolutely. Did you get the Beckett? Yeah. It's, it, it, we, we probably have some memorabilia dealers that are uh, listeners of the show. I mean, just statistically probably. speaking. Yeah. Memorabilia. Yeah. It's sort of a big waste uh, of money. That's, yeah. Here's a football with some ink on it. 
I'm not an autograph guy. I don't really care. I remember my parents came home once from some event they were at. I was a little kid. And, and my dad came home and he hands me a cocktail napkin. And it, and it had writing on it. And he's like, I got you Eric Dickerson's autograph. <laughs> and I was a huge football fan. Like, I mean, a huge football fan. And I just, and it wasn't that I wasn't grateful, but I don't care. Yeah. Like memorabilia, and, and sure, if, if you like it, have at it. I just don't get it. I feel like memorabilia might be the biggest waste of money short of diamonds on the planet. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of awkward. Can I tell you, I almost bought you Ted's pimento cheese this week. Did you? I really did. As a, <laughs> as a gift, I was going to buy that for you. I still might. So, Do you like pimento cheese? I don't think I've ever had it. Okay. So but if I buy that for you, would you eat it? Or sure. would you just like... I'd, I'd have a bite at least. All right. Uh, next biggest waste of money of the week is the menu sweeper and funnel. Okay. You and I would call this a dustpan and broom. Interesting. <laughs> Just because an item is simple and practical doesn't mean it can't be well-designed. This sweeper and funnel is an excellent example, designed by Jan Kochansky. It was the winner of a design award in 2014. The wooden sweeper, or as you and I would call it, a broom, is shaped to fit perfectly inside the hollow handle of the dustpan, which doubles as a funnel for easy disposal of whatever waste you're collecting. Available in white or black, it's easy to store together on a hook, until it's called back into service. It's $65. Dame, I am all for good design. I am all for innovation. But $65 for a dustpan. I have a dustpan where the, the broom fits yeah. inside. It's plastic. Maybe yes. like Rubbermaid or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Sounds like these people are sweeping up their money and throwing it away. Wow. Yeah, possibly. I, yeah, but... Uh, like sweeping up their money yeah, I got and it. throwing yeah, it in I, the I, trash. I gave it the appropriate reaction the first time. Here's a scary trend. Americans over age 50 owed more than $260 billion in student loans, which is up from $36 billion in 2004. Dude, in 14 years, student loans for people over 50 have gone from $36 billion to a quarter trillion dollars. That's what? a lot of money. That's absurd. Okay, so I, I now for four years, it feels like, I've been teasing this idea that Parent PLUS loans are going to ruin retirement explicitly. I feel like they are implicitly ruining retirement now, but I don't think people realize that that's the issue yet. How soon till we get to this point where that's what everyone is talking about? Because people still aren't talking about the damage that Parent Plus and Student Loan for Seniors, that it's doing. No, I, you, you are allocating money towards something you will never get a return on as a, as a person who is nearing retirement or in retirement. And that money could very easily be doing one of two things, getting rid of other debt, mortgage, hopefully, specifically or increasing your retirement assets and spending money on your grandkids education while a very nice gesture well let's not overlook that fact is not going to do anything for you yeah i feel I, we almost touched on it earlier with this inheritance thing and earlier in the show i, I feel like oftentimes two generations let's call them grandparents ahead often to per, often offer 
to purchase a college education or something of, of equal or lesser value uh, for a, a grandchild when they shouldn't, when they objectively shouldn't. And again, I don't do financial plans anymore, but back when I did and I worked with wealthy seniors, <laughs> they, they would often say that. Or I'd work with their people who were their kids' age and their kids were like, oh, my, my parents said they're going to take care of it. And I'm like, well, how, tell me more about that. No, they just said it's, it's on them. Which is the death knell of financial yeah, planning? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm sure you got the "I want to leave a legacy" when when you were doing financial planning. Yeah, and and I disagree with that personally. In theory, um, the "I want to leave a legacy" thing uh, financially, I just have different thoughts. We've talked about on this mm-hmm. show. I, I don't begrudge someone to 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 feel that way. If I'm going to leave a legacy financially, I want to leave it in my community. I don't want to. But again, we're going down a different road. Dame, I did like a story this week that Kohl's wants more of your Amazon returns. This is fascinating. Much more fascinating than the Planet Fitness in Kohl's. Kohl's is just like, we'll do anything. Yeah, just bring it on. Okay, so how does this work? So do you want me to read the the piece? You got it in front of you. Yeah, it says Kohl's wants you to skip the post office and bring your Amazon returns to its stores. The department store chain says it will accept Amazon returns at all its 1,150 stores starting in July. Kohl's has been testing Amazon returns at 100 stores for nearly two years and sees the service as a way to get people in its doors and potentially buy something while they're there. Those with Amazon returns don't need to pack them up. Kohl's will box them up and ship them out for them. Okay, so this is brilliant. Yeah, I I think it's a great idea. It's brilliant. And they have no affiliation with Amazon. None. What could go wrong here? Other than then people don't sign up for Planet Planet Fitness because they're already carrying all these boxes and they've got that strength. getting their workout. What do you think? What could go wrong? This this makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, it's prepaid shipping return stuff, isn't it? Or do they have to pay to ship it back? You don't have to pay to ship it I back, but so. it's just a pain in the neck. So you got a little bit of labor, but the, you know you got one person doing boxing Amazon returns based you know, versus how many people are going to bring stuff in. You get foot traffic in the door. I'm going to I'm going to tell you this right now. I guarantee I will do this. Think so? I absolutely will do this. I absolutely will do this. Now I will say this. Here, here's what's crazy. Have you ever ordered something wrong from or ordered something? or not ordered something from Amazon, it was wrong, mm-hmm. and they just tell you to keep it or yep. throw it away. Yeah, I've had that. Did I tell you, randomly, we got three pairs of women's tennis shoes, like size <laughs> nine, which would not fit my wife or daughter, uh, sent to us, just randomly. Like, didn't order them. Our name was on it and everything. And I called up. I was like, what's up? They're like, I just throw them away. So we gave them a goodwill. But yeah. I mean, it's just like, huh, huh. This is going to be, this is going to work. Yeah. Coles, so. the plainest fitness thing is the dumbest thing you've ever done. This is the smartest thing you've ever done, Coles. Nice job, Coles. Good on you, Coles. If you want to email us and have us argue about your question, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Damien Dunn, thank you for joining me again this week. Great to be here. People like you. It's why you're back. Well. So probably won't have you on next week. Mm. Uh, I'm Peter Dunn. If you want to find out more, go to PeteThePlanner.com. That's all I have this week. So I'm sending you good vibes because, well, Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is Michelle.